everyone, welcome back to But Why the Podcast, and today we are talking about the Blair Witch Project. As always, I'm Kate, and I am not here with Adrian, because he is in Japan this week, but I am here with Matt. Hello. And a special guest. It's horror, so I'm pretty sure if you've listened to us, you can guess who it is. Alex Paterno. It's me, I'm back. Always. <laughs> and I'm not drunk this time. Yeah, how, how was the hangover after our uh, our trivia game? It was bad. It was so bad. I was I was dead. My boss said she could she could see the pain in my eyes. <laughs> I didn't um, think the rules were going to be that effective. So I don't know if it's that much effective or the fact that she just went and played uh, Twitch Sings for like two hours after getting off. Oh, I watched some of that stream. It was great. But I didn't like drink anymore after that. Like it, I w- I pretty much only drank during our hundredth episode. If if you if you're listening, you haven't listened to it yet. We have a drunk episode, which is our hundredth episode where we did a pretty much an AMA and there were uh, drinking game questions and Alex moderated it and he killed me. <laughs> I'm a ghost. I apologize. But hey, that's very <laughs> on brand for this episode. It is. Uh, so why don't you tell people why you're qualified to be on this episode, Alex? So I work for Friday.com, which is a horror and genre news and review website. Uh, and also The Blair Witch Project is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. That is a great answer. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. I really like it. And it's the, the funny thing is I didn't see it when I was a kid. Um, I remember seeing commercials for it and being both intrigued and terrified of it. And then I remember one day, I think my older sister rented it and like her and my mom watched it. And I was like banished to my room down the hall. Uh, and I remember funny. it scaring both of them pretty effectively. That makes sense. I, I don't so okay well this goes into our first question is if you if you have seen it and if it scared you so did it scare you as an adult when you watched it uh I think it it freaked me out a little bit I don't know that I don't know that it's a movie that scares you so much as like unsettles you mm-hmm. if that makes sense um I think there is something very scary about the situation and very because I mean like so much of that movie is people getting lost and then arguing about it which is a deeply real situation in the forest in the city like on a road trip anywhere in the um, car with Kate and Matt I do not get <laughs> yeah. lost Kate gets lost <laughs> I can read a map uh, <laughs> It's a long lost skill yeah, apparently like, But like that's the kind of thing that it's like this is so realistic and like I've been camping I've been in the woods uh and so yeah I think like it definitely is scary, and I think, yeah, if, if I were, had to say one way or the other, I would say, like, yeah, sure, it scared me. Like, it did have an effect on me. Um, I guess it just doesn't feel like a traditional frightening horror movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Uh, that being said, I did watch it, and it scared the crap out of me. But I was How old also, were you? <laughs> yeah, I was, like, 11. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, so I was younger, um i watched it on dvd because my parents rented it but it was so the film came out in 99 and i ended up watching it with my parents after having already seen the 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 documentary the quote-unquote documentary oh, those are so good you can find that them online made it seem like it was real and obviously i mean if you're listening and you don't know how uh you know latin parents are they scare us with scary stories from a very young age, which makes us very susceptible to anything that is haunting or witch-related or anything like that. Um, so it was it was really effective when I saw it. And then uh, yeah. for a long time, I 
never watched it again. Mm-hmm. I would say for like ten years, and I would, and then it was like a night in college where I just decided to just watch a whole bunch of found footage. And I ended it with the Blair Witch, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is actually really good." Mm-hmm. It's it is still to, in my opinion, the most convincing delivery of found footage. And we're gonna get into why. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, Matt, have you seen this movie? No, I've seen parts of this movie. Um, I'm not a fan of the fan the found footage movies. Yeah, I can um, see that. We get the when we get to talk about the other found. Uh, found footage movies or whatever we'll get to have one of those that the ones that i have seen um Mm, i did know that this one obviously is renowned for what it done i do remember my cousins were big at this time and Mm because they were big in horror movies and with my brother basically my entire family loved horror movies except me i don't know why i don't know what happened but either way um i know they all watched it and they all have loved this movie repeatedly i i've seen bits and pieces of it i just it didn't intrigue me didn't care to watch it ever yeah I'm not surprised by that at all. But you're also like a nature person. So I feel like you'd just be like, yo, you, you passed that same tree. Well, that's another thing. Like people don't really, you, it, I mean, you do get lost. I don't want to say you don't get lost, but yeah. usually depending on where you go in a lot of situations and what you know you do for people that may not realize or listen to podcasts at all, my job literally used to be to go out into the woods and find plants and find a bunch of different species of plants. And then make your way back. And Yes, and make your way back. That was literally my job. <laughs> And so, like, navigating without cell phone service, I mean, obviously this was probably before that time, but, like, even today, people think, oh, I can just go to Google Maps. You can't do that out in a lot of parks and a lot nope. of things. Kate learned that when she went with me one day, and I handed her, like, these seven-page booklets of maps, and I'm like, read these. And she's like, I got Google Maps. And I was like... Oh, yeah. He handed it to me, and I was like, "You're, we're going to die. Like, do you realize that I can't read this? And I was like, do you realize yeah. I'm driving? I can't. I mean, I've done it before, but like, I shouldn't. Be, I was like, you are here to read maps for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like, I've just never had a problem. I've actually been, been lost in the woods a few times when I was a kid. I've been yeah. by the, the at the time, like the rescue rangers have actually gotten me out of there. Um, I slept on a rock and then came out to the road and they thing. Yeah, honestly, I feel like this movie, if you cut out the supernatural parts of it, could just be like a film to show students at like a hiking class of like, here's how you like what happens when you get lost and here's how to orient yourself. Like it's very much a cautionary tale on like knowing how to read a map, knowing how to use a compass. Yeah. And like there are obviously other things at play that keep these people from getting out. But like that is still just basic skills that a lot of people don't have. Um, but yeah, so going into the movie itself, um, as always, we're going to cover the history first. Um, and now I, I do want to kind of preface this, preface this and saying that we are going to talk more about the Blair Witch Project and the franchise that it's kind of spawned and what has come out since uh, since it. But the original movie is very important to all the narratives except for the direct sequel um or the the sequel that came out the 2000 Uh, yeah yep in 2000 uh that one has yeah um so just so you can orient yourself we are going to talk about it all but we're going to start here and we're going to move through it the blair witch project is a 1989 american supernatural horror film written directed and edited by daniel merrick and eduardo sanchez it tells a fictional story of three student filmmakers who hike in the Black Hills near Burkittsville, Maryland, in 1994 to film a documentary about a local legend known as the Blair Witch. 
The three disappeared, but their equipment and footage is discovered a year later. The purportedly recovered footage is the film that the viewer sees in this movie. The Blair Witch Project is minimalistic, but there is actually mm-hmm. so much thought that goes into it. Oh, yeah. Um, so the film began its development in 1993 when um, Merrick and Sanchez were film students at the University of Central Florida. And they were inspired to make the film after realizing that they found documentaries on paranormal phenomena scarier than actual traditional supernatural horror films. So the two decided to create a film that combined styles of both. In order to produce the project, they, along with Greg Hale, Robin Cowie, and Michael Moneo, started Haxon Films. And the namesake for the production company is based on a silent documentary horror film called Haxon, which in English is the witch- witchcraft through the ages. So eventually what ended up coming for- through this development was a 35-page screenplay for the film, and this is the cool thing, and this is the reason why it feels so real uh, when you watch it, is because they intended so much of the dialogue to be improvised, which is why their script is so small. Um, so they ended up putting a casting call advertisement in Backstage Magazine, and essentially what it said was they just wanted people for, they were going to be in the woods, and they wanted people with um, improv experience. So they ended up casting, a, oh, I didn't put their full names here. Heather Donahue, my long-lost cousin. Josh Leonard and Mike Clark. Mike Williams. Williams. I knew it was a second first name. So Heather Donahue, Mike Williams, and Josh Leonard. Yeah. And those are their actual names, and those are their names in the film. And that's the thing is that's part of what made this... I mean, it would be hard to pull this off now because of social media and whatnot, but like part of what made this work so much is that they, they grabbed nobodies, and then by using their real names, if you looked it up, you would find something. Yep. And the other thing, too, is... Um, it adds an, an authenticity when you're in the in, when you're in the woods alone, and you're supposed to be acting, but you're hearing your name called out. Oh yeah, it's a little freaky. Absolutely, <laughs> it's like it, they. I don't know if you have you seen the oral history of the Blair Witch that they published a few years ago. I have not. Okay, so it's a long read, but well worth it. And they talk about some of the things that they did to get the performances that they did. And so, aside from things like you know, let's use their real names. It was like uh, when they wake him up in the middle of the night, like not necessarily warning them, I think was one of the things that they did. Um, or maybe they did just to make sure the cameras were running, but like they didn't explain what they were going to do. Uh, and then the one that I thought was funny is they would leave dead drops to inform the actors of like what's going to happen next or what to do. Uh, but they would be addressed to them individually. So they would get conflicting information on purpose. Yep. And I have that a little bit down below because the cool thing is they actually had them in film canisters. So they would give them new film canisters because they needed them. Oh, and then they would get directions. And the notes were inside and they weren't supposed to show anybody else. It's yeah. And that's such a good way. Like if you are trying to get these people antagonistic, giving them different instructions. Uh, They also underfed them on purpose. Yes. <laughs> Which goes into that whole thing of like abusing your actors isn't okay and we should stop labeling it as genius. But also this film is a little genius. Right, but then yeah, you get the performances that you do out of it and so people are like I don't know and it's a it's a very very yeah, cuz if you abuse your actors and then make a bad movie, you're just a terrible person. 
But if it's good, good. If it's good, you're Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Shelley Duvall. Right. Um. So ultimately, Heather explained that during the audition, American Sanchez posed her the question, you've served seven years of a nine year sentence. Why would we let you out on parole? And she had to respond to that. And that was her audition. And that is how they casted her. Um, and then on top of that, uh, Josh also said that he was cast due to his knowledge on knowing how to run a cam- camera um, as essentially because um, an omniscient camera was used uh, to film the scenes. scenes. And so having an actor who could also use the equipment was vital. Um, yeah. And that's just like a really quick piece and I everything else I have in the but why those because there's a lot like there's a lot to this movie a lot what this movie did that I could have put in the history mm-hmm. but works better as but why those because a lot of what it does in its marketing campaign it's uh, actual directing all of that gets used later on in films to come oh, yeah. uh, so uh, after this break we're gonna get into the but why those of the Blair Witch Project bum 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 a uh, quick fun fact that doesn't need to be in the episode. One of the things that they did when messing with the actors while filming is, you know, the scene where he flips out about like, we passed that tree already or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They led them in a big circle through the woods. They hiked all day and ended up back where they started. So that actor losing it when he saw that tree was a little bit like reality because, because they were out walking all day and then they saw that same tree. He was like, no, no. <laughs> oh God. Those right? actors went through hell, but. Damn, that movie's so but like, Because, yeah, if I remember, they were, like, talking to him on a walkie-talkie, and they'd be like, okay, like, turn left. And they just, like, led them in a huge circle back to where they started. It's so evil. <laughs> right? I think all, like, having been lost before, not, like, Matt lost before, but <laughs> yeah. just, like, re- like, I thought I was really lost, but I actually wasn't that lost, which was a whole nother experience. Oh, yeah. Because um, it was a densely wooded area. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just anger when you notice that you're in the same spot. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was you're... the other thing is that parts of when they were filming this, they were literally like 10 yards from a trail or like a paved trail with people on it. It's all about camera angles. Uh, anyway, back from the <laughs> back from the break. Back from the break. Um, yeah, so the first but why, though, is going to be found footage because it kind of has to be. Um the Blair Witch Project is credited with popularizing the found footage technique, which has later been used by uh, successful horror, horror films and franchises like Paranormal Activity and Cloverfield. Um, the way they shot the film leaned far into the subgenre, and it's something that I hope we see replicated again, because I don't feel like we've gotten no. a, a type of... I don't even... I mean, to be honest, I don't know if somebody could treat their actors the way that these guys treated their actors. Yeah. And get away with it, but because they leaned so far into it, like we've already explained, mm-hmm. using the cast's real names, um, using actual townspeople as well. Oh, that so was great. The, the interviews towns- are so good. Yeah. So if you don't know, some of the townspeople interviewed in the film weren't actually actors. Um, so some good. of them were planet actors, but the cast didn't know that they were actors. Oh, yeah. And so all of this secrecy and maneuvering helps lend to, uh, I guess, like an authenticity to the to the found footage mm-hmm. quality of the film that I don't think I've gotten from a found footage film. It actually, no, Capture Capture Kill, uh, was it Capture Kill? Capture Kill release is, is a rough found footage one, but it's it's good. It's really good. 
Um, um, as far as the the townspeople interviews, though, I want to say the one I think that in rewatching it gets to me the most every time is when they're talking to the woman who has the child with her and the kid starts trying to like cover her mouth and tell her no and like doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. And it was like, this is like grounding this a lot, like this whole interaction. It's it's scary. It's yeah. to me it, to me so rewatching it now, like I'm not scared scared like I was when I was a kid, but there's just so much that lends to it. Like it's it's like watching it's like watching the strangers or something. Yeah. Somebody breaking into your house could be a reality. Mm-hmm. Those townspeople really lent to it. I mean, even right down to like the types that they grabbed, because there was like the woman with the child. There's the old lady who claims to have interacted with the witch. There's the two fishermen, one of whom wants nothing to do with talking about yep. this. Like all this stuff that just like really, really lends to this is how a town might react to an actual legend around it. Mm-hmm. Um, that and like and again like I just really feel like I was very susceptible to this to this ploy oh yeah because like that is how people in my family like like and how do you so as much as there are people like your parents who don't believe in the kukui or genuinely don't believe in la Llorona or something there are actual people in our communities who will swear up and down and mm-hmm like that they've seen la llorona or that they've seen the donkey lady or that like they felt la mana uh, peluda like it's it's whatever i see anything mm-hmm. like that and it's even close to me really like, i don't want to mess with that yeah not at all i don't, I don't want to be there oh <laughs> uh, so it kind of sets it really easily um uh but yeah so beyond that, uh, like I said, they had all of the actors kind of operate equipment. So Do- uh, Heather actually ended up getting a crash course in operating in operating a camera. Um, and they essentially they've said that uh, she modeled her character after the director, uh, after a director she had once worked with, noting her character's self-assuredness when everything went as planned and confusion during crisis. Interesting. Um, and I think the fact that they they did a lot of work to get the cast to understand what they were working with, it also, once again, leans in and lends to that validity of, oh, yeah, these are filmmakers in the woods, mm-hmm. actual filmmakers in the woods. Well, I mean, like, uh, I'm going to say maybe 25% of the arguments even are on, like, returning equipment. Yep. Like, we have to get the camera back. We have to get the dat pack safe. Like all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, this like, this is filmmaker concerns. Um, and, and we've already kind of mentioned this, but I'll, I'll say it again, you know, during the film, the actors were equipped with uh, CP 16 film and high video cameras provided by the cinematographer, Neil Fredericks. Um, and these not only worked to film footage, they also worked as the drops for information. So essentially, um, hid it inside the 35 millimeter film cans, which were left inside milk crates um, that they found actually using GPS. Hmm. They were given individual instructions to use to help improvise the action of the day. Um, so essentially, like each person would receive a notice of what they were doing, and the other actors wouldn't know what they were doing. It's completely different than a, than a, than a traditional script. Everything is pretty much from the hip, and they're interacting as real people. So how much has this, like, happened before this movie, then? I don't think much at all. No, yeah. So this style hadn't been done. Found footage had been done. 
But this type of immersion, I don't believe had been done. No, not at all. I think that this was them pushing into, like you said, like just a let's take this idea that we've seen and try to bring it into the horror genre because we think it's scarier. Um, and I think the idea of like, you know, it's found footage, something in terms of the, the cameras they use, the quality they used, even how they film, it all has a very home video feel to it that mm-hmm. found footage hasn't really done since then. Um, and so I, I think, guess, well, maybe the Poughkeepsie takes. Oh, that's yeah. I, that's one that I forget about, but like, it's it, also like, like, don't, don't Google that and watch it. If you're not a really big horror person, that, that yeah. movie is it's it's rough awful um but like even i was when i rewatched the blair witch project for this there's like just like dumb jokes that they're making to each other like there's such a weird level of realism and direction to it um like literally at one point someone falls on their butt like climbing up a hill and then someone else films their butt and is just like oh i see a dirty behind and it's like that's dumb that wouldn't be in a movie like ever but it feels very home video and I think all so the other thing is too is like not only did they use these kind of like uh these realistic approaches with the cast when it came to interacting with each other, um, producer Greg Hale also used his prior military training oh, no. to <laughs> essentially harass the three people throughout the woods. Um, he would harass them at night. He and he was the one that actually uh, talked about depriving them of food to make them a little hungry and agitated. Oh, that was his plan. That was his plan. Um, and uh, essentially, like a- according to the filmmakers' commentary uh, in the on the commentary track on the Blair Witch Project, the unseen figure that you end up seeing as uh, Mike is shouting uh, is shouting about as she's running away from the tent is mm. actually the film's art director, Ricardo Moreno, who was wearing white long johns, white stockings, and white pantyhose pulled over his head. That's so funny. And the funnier thing is they were actually supposed to show him to put in the actual Bell Witch, but oh, they didn't get the right camera angle from Mike. Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew so, that I heard on, that they had on. intended to show something there. Yeah. What, Matt? So Mike is filming this, and Heather's the one shouting, correct? I think I think they might both have a camera. I think they both have a camera. Okay. Because Mike and Heather are the two that have cameras. Okay. No, Mike has the dat pack, and Josh has the camera. Oh, Josh has the other camera. Yeah. Okay. That's Josh cool. has the black-white camera, I think, and Heather has the handheld. And sometimes Mike uses the handheld. Yeah. It's a lot. But yeah, that's really interesting, because I knew that that was part of like the scariness of the movie is that you don't ever see anything mm-hmm. um and and it, it didn't even occur to me that like the first time i watched it until i got to the end where it was like we literally never saw anything we heard a lot of things but there is nothing in the entire movie yeah which is part Good of the question. reason um these are hard for me to watch yeah why well i mean you, you see you see something in the 2016 movie if that interests you more no <laughs> uh, although i oh i want to say on while we're on the topic of cameras in re-watching the 2016 one and this is an impression that i had the first time i saw it while i understand that they were trying to modernize it for technology and everything adding the the gopro element and giving everybody a camera i think let them cheat a bit too much and made yep. it a lot more uh cinematic like cutting angles during conversations and stuff like that like there's 
four or five points of perspective in the entire movie, like potential cameras, whereas the original one literally has the two. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, I thought that exact same thing. Because there, yeah. there are times in that movie where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be found footage. Oh, yeah, like when they're around the campfire because it keeps cutting between somebody's headset and then the camera that uh, Lisa's holding. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is not found footage. Like, you are cutting back and forth. Um, and I get that it's compiled from footage, and so technically you could edit it however you want, but that part just, like, that didn't ring with me the same way that, like, the scene in the first movie of, like, once they realize they're really lost and Josh just starts, like, laying into Heather... And it's just yeah. like him walking closer to her and there is no second camera. It's just a shot, a steady shot of one person getting berated. Yeah. Cause there's, there's some magic in the restriction, honestly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's even one of those things that like, when you think about it, if they had actually been able to get the shot, I feel like that actually would have hurt the film. Yeah. Because then people would just be like analyzing, well, what was that? What did we see? Yeah. Especially um, since the, there has not yet, I think, been an official depiction of the Blair Witch. Mm-mm. No, I think there's a little bit in the video games, but I don't think the video games are canon. I don't think so. I know. So there's the whole, like, the monster in the 2016 movie is supposed to be a victim of the Blair Witch. Uh, the girl in Book of Shadows 2 in the hospital is just some random girl. There's no nothing in the first one. Um, there's like sketches I think in like the dossier book that they put out Um, but even that is like just somebody's interpretation we've oh and there was a there was a toy that came out um, from I think McFarlane or something um, that is supposed to be the Blair Witch but I don't think it was actually signed off on oh yeah so it so I think it's also weird too because like the Blair Witch ends up coming into like this weird continuity stuff where a lot of people don't look at other things. Um, so specifically the 2016 movie, the direct of Adam Wingard, right? Is it Wingard? Yeah, Adam Wingard. Yeah. Uh, so Adam Adam Wingard, he he his approach to the 2016 movie was to only take into account stuff that Merrick and Sanchez had signed off on and were inner and were um, what do you call it? Um, directly involved with that mm. was the only type of lore or anything that they took into con- uh, took into consideration so uh essentially what what the blair witch project does is it in, it inspires a whole bunch of films um most famously paranormal activity which is in it's like was it like in its seventh movie now something like that it should stop <laughs> Oh, okay. So off of Paranormal Activity and on to the other ones. Um, I call it Wreck. I don't know what other people call it. That's what I call it. Okay. Um, Wreck is another really good one held in really high esteem. Uh, Cloverfield. Yes. The Last Exorcism, which is actually pretty good. Uh, Troll Hunter, which is like amazing. And Mm y'all should watch it. I think it's still on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Chronicle. Project X, which I haven't heard of. That's the party heard of it, one. Haven't seen it. That's the party huh? one. I don't know. It's one with the giant party. They throw a huge block party. And oh, they, then they film it. yeah. 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 And then basically you had a bunch of imitations actually come up with that, like an actual real life. And then it turned. Yeah. I remember now. And then it led to a bunch of people getting shot. And it was, uh, yeah. Oh, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, And then there's VHS, which is also one of my favorites. Yeah. Um. 
And a lot of these are available on Netflix. So v- which one was the one that we VHS the one we were watching? No, what's the one we were watching with the Facebook thing? Is that on here? Does oh, that Unfriended? No, that's Unfriended. Does I that love count? Unfriended. Does that count uh, in here? No, that's Monitor Horror. Yeah, it's a different thing because it's not <sighs> found footage. So like all of these are found footage. So something that you would go and you would find outside of a computer and then unfriended or searching those movies take place on the computer screen itself. And this is why yeah. horror is whatever. Cause I can just name an item and call it a horror. No, it's more nuanced than that. I will say though, looking at this list, what I like is that the, the su- most successful of these found footage films that have followed are because they blend it with a different genre. Yep. Like Cloverfield is just Kaiju found footage. Yes. Yes. And then um, I Chronicles also... of Superhero found footage, isn't it? Yes. And then yeah. Project Death's a Party found footage. And then yeah. Troll Hunter is the movie that uh, I've always It's seen. just monster found footage, I keep right? wanting to watch that one because it looks cool. Really I think good. I tempted to watch it, but I was like, I don't want to watch found footage crap. And cause <laughs> Oh, it, I thought like, it would be the subtitles that threw you off. Oh, no. Didn't get that far. <laughs> isn't it, a, isn't it, a, is it not in English? I thought it wasn't. It's not in English. Okay, yeah. So no, shaky no. camera on top of reading. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I think, but actually, and I actually, I think my favorite found footage that I've seen recently is a capture kill release is really good, mm-hmm. but uh, creep. Yes. Creep is probably one of my favorite found footage films ever. Is that about it's the deaf? Uh, was that the, what the deaf girl? Mm-mm. Okay. No, that's hush. No, that's hush. a hush. Creep is a man answering a Craigslist ad for a videographer, and that is all that I will say. Okay. That just already sounds like a bad idea. It's It uh, It has uh, the guy from The League. Uh, Mark, Mark Duplass. Mark Duplass. Or, no, Mark Duplass. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, just to put it on here, because everybody likes to crap on M. Night Shyamalan, and I actually think Split was good, and so was The Visit, which I thought was a really good uh found footage horror movie um since probably a lot of you won't watch it because it's m night Shyamalan, it's <laughs> and honestly the twist actually makes it scarier when you watch it um they are two kids who have never met their grandparents meet them for the first time stay in their cabin and they know that one of them is gonna is suffering from dementia and they have these things called sundowning turns out they're not actually their grandparents but are escaped patients it's so good. It's it's terrifying. Like it old people are scary, guys. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, so there's a lot that this inspired and there's a lot I think We should acknowledge uh, a lot of it's been bad. <laughs> yeah, yes. a lot of it has been bad. Like there's Diary of the Dead is awful. Um these are only we've only really talked about the good ones. There are a lot of bad ones. But that being said, and because we do have to give it all of the love for really inspiring this popular rise in found footage, specifically the Paranormal Activity franchise, um, but they weren't the first. And this is something that a lot of critics pointed out, uh, specifically that they followed a lot of the plot premise, narrative style, and um, marketing ideas, kind yeah. of. Um, of Cannibal Holocaust and The Last Bradca- Broadcast. Um, Cannibal Holocaust is amazing because the director, Ruggiero Diodato, he was actually put on trial for murder 
because Cannibal Holocaust was so convincing and he had told his actors to not say that they were alive, to not come to any of the premieres, to essentially wipe themselves. He paid them to be dead for a period of time. Wanted to make people think they were watching a snuff film. What a dream job. Which honestly, Blair Witch Project had that same vibe. I remember people wondering if these kids were actually dead. Um, the only difference was Cannibal Holocaust is very bloody. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I like, want to say. Uh, oh, go on. I was say that is a movie I've seen once and I will never watch again because they rip apart animals. And that was that was real. That part wasn't yep. faked. Um, but no, I was going to say with Blair Witch, I want to say one of the actors was at a party or something. And someone was like, oh, yeah, like, it's so sad what happened to those to those kids. And they were like, or maybe it was a producer. And they were like, they didn't die. Those were actors. They were like, no, no, I know the actors are fine. But like, what happened? Like, they thought it was based on a true story. I did for the longest time. Like, every, yeah. And that's like, that's so crazy that they did such a good job marketing it like that. Yeah. But they didn't get put on a murder trial. That's true. Yeah. They didn't have to go and explain how special effects work to a jury. Yeah, like the uh the I think it was like the it was like a province or something in Italy actually put him on and he had to essentially drag the actors out of hiding and mm-hmm. back into the country to be on the stand and be like I'm alive. Yeah. This was just marketing. Well, um some, and- the effects are remarkable. Like the the impaling specifically is one that he had to demonstrate and explain how it worked. Yep. Which I think was just like sit on a bicycle seat now hold this stick in your mouth. Yep. But like the person <laughs> held it so steady that it looked like they got run through with a stake. Um, and then the other one is the last broadcast. Uh, the last broadcast is probably the one that they get the most uh, hate for um, by they, I mean, American Sanchez, because the last broadcast is about a group of people who go to find the Jersey devil. Only one of them survives and he and you're looking at essentially a documentary put together over the his murder trial and stuff. Oh, interesting. Um, and this came that came out a year before the Blair Witch. Um, but where Diodato definitely did slam the Blair Witch for stealing some of his ideas, um, mm-hmm. the directors behind uh, the last broadcast actually did not care. Hmm. Um, they just said if somebody goes and watches our movie now because the Blair Witch, the Blair Witch Project made them want to, yeah, we'll take the view. That, I mean, honestly, yeah. Um, also, oh, other really good found footage that is sort of like this is a uh, Hell House LLC. You know, I've tried to watch it and I've only made it like five minutes into it. Oh, I really like it. I I would recommend watching the whole thing through. Um, but that whole the whole premise of that one is it's a group of friends who travel the country putting on a haunted house, and they decide this time to put it in an abandoned hotel uh, that was supposedly like the oh what was it like I think it was just that it was supposed to be cursed or something, and so they're like yeah whatever like that's great but then like early on you get an impression pretty quick that this is maybe not something that you should be messing with like they go down to the basement and there's like pentagrams drawn on the walls and like. Things like that where it's like, hmm, if you find that in the wild, maybe leave it alone. Um, But yeah, I think they did a really good job with it. Yeah, I need to watch that. The sequel is, I've heard, not good. I have not watched it. As most found footage sequels go. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of par for the course. Um, On that note, it has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
which is actually fairly high for a found footage film. That's really high. Yeah. Um, but the reason that we're talking about this and this isn't a Cannibal Holocaust episode or a last broadcast episode is because of this film's marketing campaign. Will never happen Which, again. No, there's no way whatever it could. Like the Blair Witch Project happens at this perfect moment where people are getting the internet. Um, and you're not and sure if there's lies on the internet. Exactly. Yes. And ultimately the entire strategy of the campaign was to fool people into thinking that it was real. Um, during screenings, the filmmakers made efforts to essentially uh, conflate the events of the film with a fact with a with a real story um, including distributing flyers at festivals at sun like Sundance asking viewers to come forward if they have any information about missing students that's so good yeah like that's they all I can say about the marketing movie, like they they marketed this movie through missing persons posters that's like there's that there's the the fake documentaries that they produce the multiple fake documentaries. Yep. Um the other thing that I didn't know they did was um on the IMDb pages of the actors, they had them put missing presumed dead. Oh, that's fun. I know on Cloverfield they had them uh stop logging into their MySpace pages. Ah. Uh or maybe it was for the characters cuz MySpace would say like last logged in. Uh and so mm -hmm. the characters all had profiles and then they stopped logging in the day of the attack. Huh, that's cool. Um, oh. They also had a website, and their website wasn't run like a regular movie website. It was essentially a website that contained a whole bunch of material materials of actors posing as police and investigators, giving testimony about their casework, sharing childhood photos of the actors, and ultimately just served as this giant... Um, wealth of information that was completely fictitious but pre presented in a very real way yeah um ultimately usa today reported that the blair witch project was the first film to go viral despite having been produced before many of the technologies that uh facilitate this phenomenon existed um the blair witch project is also thought to be the first widely released film marketed primarily by the internet um hmm. instead of putting any money into anything else they rode this campaign as much as they could and it paid off in a really big way um the film's official website like i said uh really focused on presenting faux police reports and news uh newsreel style interviews and ultimately this ended up sparking debates online and they had live forums Mm -hmm. like working to find these kids That's... in the movie it, it is really remarkable that and again it's because the internet was in its infancy as far as the public is concerned at that point and it was this thing of like information passed around it moved a little bit slower because like an investigation like that could be done so much faster now just by the speed of the internet and sure. so it's this very specific window in time where the internet doesn't go that fast. People aren't sure if you're lying on it. Um, they're going to, you know, do these fake interviews, do these forums, um, posting just scraps of information to keep people interested. And it was so crafted and so specific. Um, and I, I just don't know that I'll see it again. I don't think you can actually do it again. I have theories on how you could do this again, but we can get into that off air. 
I really want to know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think it would ever happen again. The way everybody's so connected now. Mm -hmm. it's, it makes it would, a lot harder to make people disappear. Yeah, because the other thing is, too, is you, in order to make that happen, you would have to have people who either are not on the internet at all mm -hmm. or are so obscure nobody would notice their profile. But a lot of times these days, like, in order to be an actor, you have to have an Instagram and you have to have a Twitter. Mm -hmm. And you're networking and you're doing all these things, even if you're any sort of content creator, which, like, it's essentially what these people would be like yeah that's just well, there there was that uh like youtuber or instagram person or whatever who did a found footage film that they released via snapchat huh um but if i remember right it wasn't a it wasn't a very good movie and um b i don't think they tried to trick people into thinking it was real i'm not sure yeah. um but i feel like that isn't like the worst idea is um but you you would need it to be like, if you have to have someone obscure, then the distribution on their Snapchat is going to be nothing. Yeah. So having a celebrity do it, but it's, like, really, like, a celebrity basically tweeted their own supernatural experience and death, like, that doesn't work. Yeah. But I also think that it opens the world for more films like uh, Unfriended. Hmm. Yeah. Which I think, I know a lot of people in the horror community have, like, mixed feelings about monitor horror I, and all I that I think it's stuff. fun. Have you seen The Den? I have not seen The Den. I would recommend it. It is found footage about someone who, on like a chat roulette style site, stumbles upon what appears to be some kind of weird human trafficking torture type thing or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's monitor okay. horror and very chat roulette centric. But yeah, uh, it is a pretty like bleak film. Nice. I also think uh, horror movie, not found footage or monitor horror, but I really think it kind of should have been was Cam. Oh, I forgot about that one. Cam was actually really good. I, yeah, I did like it. I think it could have been monitor horror, though. I don't think it needed to be what it was. I forgot that I watched that one until you said it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I could see that one being good as found or as a monitor horror instead of like a mix of monitor horror and traditional cinematography. Yeah. So I, I would also really, <laughs> Matt, how would you feel about a Twitch one? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people have already tried it. I mean, I don't or, know. What... Or, huh? Is your head just saying log off? Yeah. For the most part. I, I mean, mean, yeah, I stuff starts going sideways. You close your browser. <laughs> I mean, I don't even like, Yeah. I, that's the hard part when we watch Unfriended with this whole thing because you're like, this is crazy thing, and I'm like, why they just not log off? Just press X. Well, and okay, so that's a problem is that there is no established modern myth around ghosts and technologies. Yeah. So I will say in the first one, they can't close any of their browsers; like everything locks up, and they um they stop closing they stop trying to get out or close it because they see someone die and then that's when they're like oh we actually have to be here for this nah nope just turn the nope. computer off <laughs> nope. uh but yeah so one of the other ways that they marketed this was through the curse of the blair witch this was a mockumentary that was broadcasted on sci-fi channel in 1999 prior to the release of the film I saw this the first night it came on. Like, I was like, oh, oh shit, fantastic. this is real. Like, it was, it, 
I thought it was an actual documentary on something real. Um, ultimately, the legends that they end up covering in it describes the killings and disappearances of some of the residents of Blair, Maryland, a fictitious town on the site of Brigittsville, Maryland from the 18th to 20th centuries. Residents blamed these occurrences on the ghost of Ellie Kedward, a Blair, res a Blair resident accused of practicing witchcraft. Uh, and sentenced to death by exposure. And the Curse of the Blair Witch presents the legend as real, like I said, complete mm -hmm. with manufactured newspaper articles, newsreels, television heavy. news reports, and staged interviews. And again, like digital archiving ruins all of this. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I will say, because the one thing I found interesting as we're talking about this and all this stuff, having like, because you said there's no connection because we have no like internet or technology and ghosts. And mm -hmm. I just don't think you can ever establish that because one, I don't think enough people are, I guess. Nobody has a haunted computer mouse that they're telling their friends about. Well, not just that, but like if my computer right now just started crashing and doing all these crazy things, I'm not going to tell you it's a ghost. I'm like, man, I just don't understand technology. My computer's messed up. Yeah. I just, I hate my computer is what it turns into. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, you'd have to do a hard sell to try to convince somebody that your computer's actually haunted and something and happened versus like, it just malfunctioned. Well, and you could also easily attribute misbehavior on your computer to like a virus or something. There's yeah. very logical yeah. explanations to it versus like doors slamming in your house and hearing a voice from the attic is its own horrifying thing. And it also turns into like, what can your computer actually do to you? Yeah. Which is why. So I know a lot of people didn't like didn't like uh, Unfriended Dark Web, but I actually thought Unfriended Dark Web actually handled this a lot better because it wasn't about your computer being haunted or the ghost of somebody that you made fun of. It was literally a network of dark web people who kidnapped, killed, tortured, and made snuff films for money. Um, that's uh, that's and, a, Yeah, that's a better premise. Like, they had actual people break into houses and actual people stalk people. Like, it, in that way, it was more believable. Um, cause I guess unless like unless a haunted computer is like a Ouija board, you throw it out, it comes back. <laughs> oh yeah. Hold on, let me find. There's another movie similar to this, as far as like, let's make it. Re oh, Ratter. Have you heard about that one? Mm-mm. Uh, it only it's sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, five point seven. Uh, but basically the idea is that it is somebody who is hacking the webcams of this person that they're stalking. Oh, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that at all. I mean, I thought everybody accepted that these days. I mean, you accept that Google's doing it, but not that, like, someone who is obsessed with you. Yeah. I mean, I thought everybody had their own personal FBI agent, so I guess I just kind of... Maybe. Um, unrelated to, to all of this, but it kind of fits in here with the marketing. Have either of you heard of the Scooby-Doo Project? No. So Cartoon Network aired this once. It was cut up into several segments that were aired over the oh, course of a Scooby-Doo. Oh, I do know what it is. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to link to it talking. so you can put Sorry. it in the show notes. But I, I rewatched it as an adult, and it is messed up. Like, if I remember right, it ends with the death of Mysteries, Inc. Like, it is, like, so, so dark, but so good. But, yeah, they aired it once, and then we're, like, they got enough backlash that they were, like, all right, never again. Well, no, they aired it once, but then what they did was they used to play those interview clips in between shows. Oh, I thought that was the that, that was how they originally broadcast it was in chunks. Oh, was it? Okay. I don't know, but I, I know. I've watched it compiled and it is terrifying. Like it is it is such an effective piece of kids' horror. I need to watch it. 
And it's, it comes from that very weird era of children's entertainment where it's people just seeing what they can get away with. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the last piece of this is, uh, last piece of this marketing essentially is that they also released something called the Blair Witch Project dossier. Um, this built on the film's true story angle and the dossier consisted of fa uh, fabricated police reports, pictures, interviews, and newspaper articles presenting the film's pre premise as fact, as well as further elaboration on the Ellie Kedward and Rustin Parr legends. Mm. Um, so they went all out. Like they literally targeted any media yeah. they could to make it be real and mess with people. Um, ultimately, dr director Eli Roth also cited this film's marketing marketing influence um uh for when he promoted uh the two 2002 uh cabin fever mm. um which i had forgot about uh also never watch the remake of cabin fever it's awful it's shot for shot and terrible interesting i know that eli roth said that he let it happen because he was genuinely curious as to what would happen if somebody else used the exact same script to film a movie like he for uh, him for him it was just like a fun experiment of like i wonder what that would look like it's not good. <laughs> That's uh, what it looks like. From, from the acting, the cinematography, like what doesn't work as well? All of it, because it is not as good as the first one. It's because I, uh, so I do 31 Days of Horror. And at the time I was watching yeah. about three horror movies a day and I would put them into essentially categories. I made a skin category in which I watched deep, both Jeepers Creepers and then Cabin, yeah. cabin Fevers. Um and having watched the 2016 immediately after the tw 2002, mm -hmm. the dialogue is the same. The costuming is the same. The things that they change are like the type of gun and the references. Huh. Like Call of Duty comes up. Um, yeah. The acting is definitely worse. And it is just, it's bad. That's a bummer. Although, honestly, I it's do. It's on Netflix. Get drunk and watch it. I do stand by just the the pure experiment of it. Like, I think that that is actually a really interesting question. Um, oh, yeah. No, I but, mean, I But, yeah, too. if it turned out bad, that does suck. But there is something very fun about, like, what if we take the same cinematography, the same script, and we just do it again? Yeah. Because Psycho sort of did that in the 90s with Vince Vaughn. And there's, yeah. a, there's a couple things added, and I, but it's a, it's a worse film. It's a terrible... Just, just stop remaking films. Yeah, that would help. Just stop. Um, so all of this marketing leads to this very small but very big but why though in that The Blair Witch Project is the most successful indie film ever. Yeah. Based on what? Uh, money. It was produced on a $60,000 budget and made $250 million. They were so that, concerned on saving money that they actually returned the camera to Circuit City that they filmed it on. I feel like Matt's going to pull something up and disprove what Wikipedia told me. So I was thinking, I was trying to see the paranormal activity, and it's, at least from based on what I found, it is off by $11 million in net profit. Paranormal, but also paranormal activity was also a studio film. Yeah. It wasn't an indie. So essentially what happens is... You know, I don't um, really care about the classification because it's one of those we just make indie from indie and whatever to whatever. Indie is a big studio doesn't have the rights to your film until they buy it. And then they distribute it. That is essentially what just yeah. is the difference. 
like the the guys behind the Blair Witch Project made their own company to then make yeah. their movie and take it to Cannes. It's like saying Napoleon Dynamite is indie because it's low budget when in reality it was made by MTV. Yep. Well, I mean, nah, MTV is not known for its movies, is it? I guess movie today is it? They've no, they've done a lot of movies. Any of them actually good? No. Okay then. Uh, I think. <laughs> that <laughs> Huh? That doesn't make it indie. I think they did The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, so they abused him, but had to America. Uh, A on Flux, Dead Man on Campus, Legally Blonde, the musical, Love, the Tiger, wait, uh, the Tiger Woods story, apparently. Um, Um, Yeah, they produced like a bunch of random stuff. Is A Dead Man on Campus the one where they they keep trying to have some, keep trying to get with the suicide guy to get free A's? Yes. Okay. It's a really morbid premise. (laughs) Yes, it is great. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the Blair Witch Project was an indie movie, Matt. Yeah, whatever. The company it it you have it, it all has to do with the type of company. If a company that is it is a large studio funds your film, yeah. But like, what are we considering? Film. But like, large company that funding wise. <sighs> Give me a sec. Because I'm like, Paranormal Activity is made on fifteen thousand dollars. It, it, it is nothing to do with the amount of money. It has to do with the company that produces the film. But I mean, it's hard for me to sell that indie small film made on sixty thousand is the difference. But the the, dif- the production the is, film on made on fifteen thousand dollars. The difference is the guaranteed slots in a theater. Indie film, like the same reason it's taken us a long time to see little monsters get anywhere. Yeah, but it took over immediate- two years to get Paranormal Activity in a theater. Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it just said it took over two years to get it in the theater. But how long was it on the festival circuit? Um, so, like so it released on the festival circuit in 2007. It didn't say theatrical release till 2009. Okay, never mind. Paranormal is an indie film. Thank you very is, much. Well, no, but it's not because of what you said. It's because Paramount bought the rights after it did the indie circuit. I was like, yes, I'm saying it did the circuit, but it doesn't release for another two years because there was nothing there. Okay, then yes, it was an indie film. But all the ones after it weren't. That I can yeah. believe. That I will. That I will agree with. But I was saying yeah. the very first one. I'm pretty sure. It was. It was an indie film. Yeah. Blair Witch Project still beat it by so, 11 million. Apparently, at least according. Still beat to it. Listen, still you say that like that's a small number, Matt. <laughs> well, I mean, considering one's a profit of like 190 and the other one's a profit of 179. Um. <laughs> no, the profit. The we're doing worldwide profit. Well, just off the well, just off of the money that you sent, said. Oh, no. 250 million minus 60,000 is not the number you said. 190? Yeah. Oh, I guess if you go by million, well, it'd be 190. So I it's did, 250 yeah. million minus 60,000. Yeah, close enough. It, it made is a not lot of the money. Right, I, I, I have a liberal arts degree, but that is not but the I can right use math. A calculator. Matt can't do math right now, even in, but Kate keeps trying to explain indie films but doesn't know what indie films is. So I think that's a tie. <laughs> that's not how that works is that uh, i think alex should be the judge of that i believe that's a tie what's a wait what's a tie exactly i said here? i can't do math right now but kate can't tell me what an indie film is and so i think that's a tie mm. i told you what an indie film was <laughs> i told she you did. paranormal activity she was, not familiar was with the production history of paranormal activity <laughs> i told I you that paranormal activity was an indie her. film and you argue that it wasn't because I thought Paramount always had it. No, that, I mean, that's what I. That thought. was the biggest story about it. Was it was never like 
Because it was made so on fifteen thousand dollars out of somebody's house. Was basically. I the big... would. I would like to know why Matt knows more than me and Alex in this realm of horror movie right now. Because one, I, mean, I didn't really care about the Paranormal Activity movies because when I first saw the trailer, I was like, "Oh, it's just found footage in a house. That's boring," and I kind of wrote it off. What's I'm saying? So basically, they literally it was actually like a big story and why it came out and it got a lot of publicity stuff. But one, how much money it made? In fact, it was fifteen thousand dollars, but it was yeah. made fifteen thousand dollars based with camera, and basically they did it in like somebody's house, and yeah. so like it was like the bare bones of like even almost less than what they even did for Blair Witch Project, and so yeah. they found it fascinating, especially in basically that movie comes out in two thousand seven. That's ten years after we had the internet and everything else, mm-hmm. and they tried I, the I, same marketing campaign of the lady was dead, and then obviously they yeah. Didn't. I will say also any horror movie that the the trailers or commercials have uh, night vision shots of audience reactions, I immediately think they're not very good. That's fair. The gallows prove that. Hmm. The gallows is so bad. I don't know that I actually watched that one because again, when I see that in a trailer, I'm like, oh, never mind. Yeah, were they the first ones that sold that idea to they us? They were. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it was just like a weird thing of like they tried to sell audiences. Well, because it's also one of those weird things, too, is um, it's always weird to me what films get picked up with, like, we made our audience leave things. And oh, that yeah, was one like of there them. Was, uh, like, any time where it's like, oh, people, like, threw up and people left the theater. and Yeah. yeah. Like, what, uh, Raw yeah. and Great the, film. House of Jack, the House of Jack built as well. I haven't seen that one yet, but I've heard it's very disturbing and one. very mean. Raw is amazing, and I, that scene with the leg I have never yeah. watched that scene fully with my eyes open. I, I'll be honest, and we just need to start a horror podcast is what I'm realizing. We uh, do. We should start a horror podcast where we have Matt watch a film that we really love. And then, and then tell us why it's terrible. It. Oh, God. Well, uh, one, no, once in, again, in we raw... only talked about having a podcast, but we have nobody to edit, edit this podcast. So unless somebody's calling up this internet ghost for us, yeah. we're screwed. That's fair. Alex, find a haunted computer. I will do my best. <laughs> I was going to say, the thing in Raw that got me, like, more than a lot of the things in there was when she, like, pulls the hair out of her mouth and it's like she's unclogging a drain. Oh, yeah, that's so bad. Like, that, that like, was deeply upsetting to me. But it wasn't the... I think the worst part was then there's... Spoilers for Raw. The first time that she decides to eat, to be a cannibal and, like, eat a, a finger was mostly me shouting at my TV, that's not yours, put it back. <laughs> Oh, I need to watch a horror movie with you. <laughs> I was just like so oh. mad and upset and like, yeah. Anyway, Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Uh, one more thing. Actually, the part where I was most unsettled was when she first breaks out. Oh, yeah. And she's scratching and I'm like, oh, no, I can't take this. Nope. It was a lot. It was so bad. Oh, see, I'm getting like all weird just thinking about it because mm-hmm. I just I can't I can't do that. I, that I have like limits with horror, skin and nails and teeth. No, nothing can't. We gonna talk about teeth in this episode? <laughs> there are teeth, and I have a fun fact for teeth. Actually, fun fact: the teeth were actually obtained from a Maryland dentist who uses human remains in the Blair Witch Project. Oh, that's that so good. Real teeth. So the next but why though is the lore because the great length that uh both merrick and sanchez went through to construct the blair witch lore 
is amazing. And a lot of it was necessitated by the marketing plan that we just talked about. They couldn't have any holes in the lore because if they did, their entire, their entire, hey, look at this real thing thing falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in developing the mythology behind the film, the creators used many, many inspirations. For instance, several character names were near anagrams. Uh, so Ellie Kedward is actually the Blair Witch. Uh, you know, the Blair Witch is Edward Kelly, a 16th century mystic, and Rustin Parr, um, the fictional 1940s child murderer, began as an anagram for Rasputin. The Blair Witch is also said to be, according to legend, the ghost of Ellie Kedward, a woman banished from the Blair Township, as I stated before. Uh, the directors ended up incorporating that part of the legend along with allusions to the salem witch trials and arthur miller's 1953 play the crucible um in order to play on the themes of injustice done to those who were classified as witches and if you know supernatural horror you know that if something was done wrong to somebody it's gonna come and haunt you um, or your or descendants your children yep you know just because they couldn't breathe underwater i mean oh god well, if they couldn't uh, breathe underwater, they would be a witch, and we would hold them under longer. <laughs> Guess they weren't a witch. Throw another one in, see if they can breathe. There's a, a great uh, Halloween episode of The Simpsons where they accuse Marge of being a witch, and they're like, and to test this, we're going to throw you off a cliff. She was like, and they're like, and if you're a witch, you'll fly away. And she was like, and if I'm not? They're like, well, then you'll die, and we'll be sorry for it. <laughs> um. Side note, uh, uh, My Soul to Take is actually a very underrated horror film that deals with. Well, I don't know that I've heard of that one. I'll have to look into that. It's on Hulu. Um, anyway, uh, essentially, the directors also cited influences such as the television show In Search of and horror documentary films Chariots of the Gods and The Legend of Boggy Creek. Other influences included commercially successful horror films like The Shining, Alien, and The Omen. Jaws was also an influence as the film hides the witch from the viewer for its entirety, increasing the suspense and the unknown. Uh, After the film was released in late November 1989, uh, the historic house that they ended up using for the set was actually overwhelmed by fans and they started breaking pieces of it off. Um, because one, they actually, uh, some of them believed it was true. And so they actually, which just, you think this is true. So you do it too. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, oh, this Um, building is haunted by a ghost that murdered three teenagers. Let me go take a piece of it. Yeah. Um, I still never found that fascinating because uh, much as we talk about like breaking off sets and doing chunks of souvenir, they do that with like sports, like stadiums and stuff. And people like. Like buy like a chair from like the 180th row or like dirt, and I just never understood that. Yeah, but that feels less like you're tempting the devil. Obviously, but still, like what, like taking, what do you do? taking what do you a do chunk of the chunk kingdom of home. I mean, I don't know. People have pieces of the Berlin Wall. I guess, it but means... that's like a really significant. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying, like, like, other, the what I'm saying is that the all, all you have at that point is you just have a piece of concrete. Yeah, I know. But um, you have a piece of concrete that has like a large, large historical. Well, to be fair, the kingdom was around for a very long time. 
The Berlin Wall essentially acted as a way to kill people. No, I'm not saying the Ber- I'm not saying that it's not like a noteworthy history thing. I'm just saying that like the act of taking pieces of like buildings or whatever, it's like you end up with like a plank of wood or a piece of concrete and like ultimately the object itself is completely unordinary. Like other than what it symbolizes. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, it's the same thing you you see happen in a lot of like religious uh like religious pilgrimages and stuff. Like they'll mm-hmm. go to a place, they'll put sand in a bottle. It's like, "Oh, I have it here with me." It's like, "No, you don't. That's just sand." Um Like it's uh, cool that it came from that place, but you know, it is no ultimately it, it's place. ultimately sand. <laughs> um and then Except for you're actually yeah. ruin your probably the ecological factors depending on how much sand, what sand, and if you get any insects or bacteria and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you're not supposed to take dirt and soil across the states. There's the laws against that. Uh, ultimately, the house ended up being torn down the following month after the film released because of how overwhelmed yeah, it was. Uh, I, I don't get the was. impression that the town appreciates this film at all. No, not at all. Because they also had to stop putting up Welcome to Burkittsville signs because they kept getting stolen. <laughs> I mean, I would steal one. I mean, that's no different than the f- you're at mile... For 19.9 signs. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I get it. Uh, but yeah, I know that I feel like the town just does not care for this film at all. And it makes sense. I think that tourists have a bad relationship with filming locations. Like the Goonies house got shut down because people were just like littering and leaving garbage out. And the people who bought the house didn't want to have to deal with it anymore. And it is on a private road. So, yeah, I think it's been. Mi- what about Forks, Washington, and Twilight? Oh, they no, they lean into it. They the last time I was in Forks, they had Twilight stuff still. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think it's either like hit or miss. Either awesome. they hate it or they lean into it a lot. Because I was thinking of the one from Twilight. Um, I think there's a few other ones. Like we went to the restaurant in California where they leaned in. Like they filmed Top Gun here, and it was like yeah. everything. Oh it, yeah, Kansas City barbecue. Yeah, they like they filmed and everything was Top Gun. There was so much Tom Cruise in that freaking restaurant matt was in heaven because of tom cruise yes i mean top gun i still don't understand the obsession with it i think it's still a good film i think you should see it kate but i don't understand the obsession with hey, it. hey i have told our patrons before that they can have us watch it <laughs> i know i learned this when i sent her a top gun gif to make fun of her and said quote and she had no idea what i was referencing but no, uh, yes, there are plenty of places that do embrace it, and some people, they definitely just destroy it. I think New Zealand's hit or miss, I think, a lot of those places, mm-hmm. too, they film. New Zealand, at least, well, they built Hobbit homes. Yeah. <laughs> they because built actual Hobbit homes. I don't think homes. people are really going to New Zealand that often. I want to. What's well, so I'm saying? I think they place. some of those places use it as a tourist spot to come. Yeah, no, it's and that's yeah. the thing is Burkittsville they, could have totally leaned into it. I think it's because it's a horror film that they didn't want to, would be my that's guess. That's fair. That's fair. New Zealand's like, we have hobbits and wizards and Ents. Come here. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, Lord of the Rings, everybody loves it. Good, wholesome family fun. Like, let's do this. But then it's just like, mm, your town's famous for a witch that murders teens. <laughs> yeah, because, like, Hawaii has a bunch of film sets they film there, and they, like, watch you, like, RV through a lot of the sets and old stuff there. Like, I've been on, like, where they filmed some of the parts for Jurassic Park and the original signs and everything. That's cool. Also... The first time Matt and I get the ability to have a life of our own outside of all of our projects, we're going to New Zealand. Okay. Anyway, Blair Witch. 
Um, <laughs> the motto of this episode. Anyway, Blair Witch. <laughs> Isn't that all the um, episodes? Uh, so ultimately, all of this lore served as a solid foundation for a series of books, comics, book, comic books, and video games, as well as sequels. So there are a few books. There's Blair Witch, The Secret Confessions of Rustin Parr. Um, there is Blair Witch, The Graveyard Ship. And then the most famous is a series of eight young adult books entitled The Blair Witch Files, which were released by Random House's subsidiary Bantam, and the books center on Cade Merrill, a fictional cousin of Heather Donahue, who investigates phenomena related to the Blair Witch, trying to find out what really happened with our three teenagers. Um, yeah, and so then uh, there's comic books. In 1989, Oni Press uh, released a one-shot comic promoting the film titled The Blair Witch Project Number 1. And then in 2000, coinciding with the release of Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2, which it bugs me that that is the format of the way they named that. It is not Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows. It is yeah, Book of it's Shadows a bad title. Blair Witch 2. And especially because the first one was The Blair Witch Project. So calling it Blair Witch 2 instead of Blair Witch Project 2. Yeah. It's bad. Um, it should have just been Blair Witch colon Book of Shadows. Yep. Done. Somebody hire Alex. <laughs> he Seriously. makes things good. Um, Man, if uh, I could work on a Blair Witch movie, actually, that would be really fun. <laughs> is that why you didn't say your theories of how this could be worked out? In... Of course it is. <laughs> I'm not giving away my secrets. <laughs> um, so ultimately, uh, the a one-shot from Image Comics was also released called Blair Witch Dark Testament. So why'd they okay. go back this time? What do you mean? So we have Blair Witch Project, then Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, and then they go back to Blair Witch Dark Testaments. Dark Te- It's a comic book. It doesn't matter. The other one was a comic book, too. I don't know. It's, none of this makes sense. Book of Shadows is a movie. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 is the name and of I the And I don't fully movie. understand why it's called Book of Shadows. I don't either. Is there a book in there? No. Well, no. kind of. But not it's really. Not, but it's not like an important book. It's not like a, It's like the Necronomicon or anything. Yeah. Bad title for a bad movie. <laughs> that supposedly had a more interesting initial cut. Uh, yeah. And then there is a volume of video games uh, that were released in 2000. Uh, they were computer games. They were really simple. Just It was like the Blair Witch Volume 1, the Blair Witch Volume 2. And then it had... Uh, it was a Blair Witch... Uh, volume one, Rustin Parr, uh, Blair Witch, The Legend of Coffin Rock, and then the Ellie Kedward Tale, which are three piv- uh, three very large sections of the lore. Mm-hmm. And the first one is the only one that people liked, really. Okay. I have um, not played any of them. I've thought about I, it. I played the first one, and I've watched uh, I've watched like compilation videos of all of them to kind of like learn more about the lore of the Blair Witch because there is a lot yeah. that exists there. I um, yeah, I love the lore. I will probably play the new game, is what I'll say. Yes, uh, which I'm going to bring up at. Oh, I'll just bring it up here. Uh, so this at this year's E3, uh, they announced a video, a new Blair Witch game called Blair Witch. It is made by the amazing Bloober team. Uh, which, if you don't know Blooper Team, they do Layers of Fear, Layers of Fear 2, um, The Watcher. A really great psychological thrilling horror. And their entire focus is to... It is, it's a linear narrative. You play as a cop who is late to a search party. 
and he has to try and find the people and he ends up getting lost um and he has a dog that guides you and it's an ai so essentially it has its own mind it can go its own places which i don't even know if i can play this game because i feel like that is just gonna stress me out because i don't want that baby to get hurt Mm -hmm. and now so this is um so the new blair witch game from blooper team is not a direct sequel it's not a prequel it is just a game that happens within the Blair Witch universe. So it utilizes the Blair Witch lore setting um, there in the, Black, uh, in the, I think it's like the Black Hills. The Black Hills Woods, yeah. Uh, they're in the Blackwood, Blackwoods Hills. You have the house. Um, and most importantly, they have a uh, camcorder, um, camcorder feature. Essentially, you end up finding a camcorder and you end up picking up tapes. And so you use, at least this is for just from what they've said during E3, um, you use those tapes. You can fast forward them, rewind them to solve puzzles in the game and to guide you through things. Um, that being said, I lost my absolute everything and yelled with excitement when this game was announced mm-hmm. because the trailer for it ends with a guy standing in the corner, which if it's you so have, ominous. Yeah, like if you've like if you have seen the Blair Witch Project, there are two pivotal scenes: the one where you see up her nose and she got boogers coming out of it, and the man standing. Uh, is it Josh that's in the corner? Uh, it's Mike. Mike, and it's Mike standing in the corner. Those define it. Yep. Um, also, apparently, when they did when they filmed that shot, she didn't realize that it was as zoomed in as it was. That oh. wasn't the intended cinematography for it, but it it worked so well. Um, but yeah, so I'm really excited for the new Blair Witch game. I think it is going to be an amazing expansion to the existing universe. I, the, I trust Bloober team to do it right. And I really, really hope that, um, at least from what I've seen, the immersion is going to be there. Uh, I want it to just completely mess with me. Yeah. I'm going to say hurt the dog. The one thing I'm not looking forward to, and this is maybe just pessimistic and curmudgeon, curmudgeon of me is streamers playing this game. Because yeah, it's yeah. hard to stream a horror game without like overreacting and being kind of an idiot. Um, yeah. And I feel like this is one that's going to be trying to do something. Yeah. Uh, I think that also depends on who you watch, to be completely honest. That could be, yeah. Because I know there's plenty of people that have like specific horror, uh, horror game like streams, whatnot, in which mm-hmm. they full fledged lit into it. Like I've seen people that actually have like a heart rate monitor attached to them and they'll put their heart rate on the screen. That's the kind of transparency we need. Yeah, and so <laughs> so you can, like, follow along with their heart rate. Um, they have, like, obviously, I mean, you know, there may be a little bit something, but it's not one of those we're just going to try to rag and see what happens on this game. It's more of, like, we're going to try to Im- immerse myself while talking along with, like, you can actually see things yeah. of what's going on with me. I want to say one of the first comments I saw in the trailer video said something like, I can't wait to watch Markiplier play this or something. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm not like, (laughs) no offense to Markiplier, but like if that's people's reactions to a game trailer is I can't wait to watch somebody else play this. Like I get it, especially because it's horror and streaming is a big thing, but it was just like, why don't you want to play it? Yeah. So I will say that this is one of the things at least that I've saw with Layers of Fear 2 that I really like about uh, Bloober Team's PR or whatever. Mm -hmm um i think it's pr i don't i don't know i don't know if they run their own stuff but they have a pr agency but anyway um there was one of the devs over there was looking for specific horror content creators so whether it was horror creator like Mm -hmm. for review so i should reach out is what i'm hearing 
you should. Like, uh, I mean, I, I want I'm going to message reach Byron out. one second. I, 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 want to, <laughs> I want to reach out because I want that game now. But, um, but what I'm saying is Bloober Team actually for review purposes, streaming purposes, that type of stuff. Like, yes, it, they market. But for me, they actually feel like they deeply care about the horror community that is com- that is consuming their product, which isn't the norm for a lot of companies mm-hmm. that produce horror content. Um, it's usually marketed for normies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I left E3 with Blair Witch being probably my most hyped single player game oh for sure um because that's just who i am and i I feel like it's honestly not that often that horror gets like front and center at e3 let alone at one of the big three's presentations so yeah this Mm -hmm. this felt big entirely um so beyond that uh you also have the sequels um you also there's a documentary called the woods movie uh, i have not seen this yeah, so it came out in 2015, and it is an actual documentary on the making of the original Blair Witch Project. Awesome. And then, of course, we've mentioned them a whole bunch, but uh, sequels. This film has two sequels. A sequel entitled Book of Shadows was released in 2000. Don't spend your money if you have a free credit, watch it. But I will say this money. is the movie that, as much as I heard everybody tell me they loved the first one, I remember everybody being all pissed off and hating this movie. Yep. Because it's nowhere in the well, realm. It's, of it's that, not that's fine. Footage. That's fine. But I'm saying it had such an effect of like I may not have seen either one of these movies, but I knew exactly like people loved this movie. People really hated this movie, and I didn't need to do anything else to actually mm-hmm. watch this movie. Honestly, go watch the not, the trailer for it, and it tells you everything you need to know. It's not even found footage, right? No, it's not. It is uh, It is about a group of people who go out into in the woods house. on a Blair Witch walking tour and then, like, how their lives unravel after that. Uh, They're in a house. It happens in a house. Yeah. I'm not even in a house. Like, at one point, one of them, like, goes to the gas station to buy beer. Like, it is, it's, like, full cinematography. Uh, there's an element of found footage in that they filmed themselves on their tour and they rewatch it every now and then. Um, but, yeah, it is, uh, in the opening, it is, quote, based on... Uh, found footage and police records. So it's supposed oh, to be a dramatic so reenactment. Bad. It's bad. So bad. Yeah. Because there are also point. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched it in forever. I kind of do want to go watch it again so I can remember. Yeah, how go bad hate it watch is. it. But um. Uh, but yeah. So outside of that atrocious sequel in 2016, Blair Witch, uh, which is the official, like the actual sequel, sequel mm-hmm. to the movie was announced at San Diego Comic-Con and the film was originally marketed as The Woods so that it would be an exclusive surprise announcement for anybody who was attending the convention. It's directed by Adam Wingard. Um, It does not acknowledge Book of Shadows. However, Wingard has said that although the version does not reference any of the events that transpired in Book of Shadows, he does not see his film as necessarily discrediting it. Um... It just See, I don't like it, out. and it may exist, but I'm just going to act like it's not existing. Honestly, tonally, it, the second movie doesn't fit with the entire franchise or mythology. Like, there's a weird, like, drug-fueled orgy in, like, the first yeah. half hour of it. Um, and, like, sexuality and all of that has not been a part of the Blair Witch Mythos, period. So I don't know why this movie went so heavy into that. Because, because pri- like, uh, contrary to horror, what horror movies would make you feel... 
when you're lost and scared for your life, you don't just start in the woods. And that here's Sorry. the thing. You don't that's that's something that they question in, the, in there's a conversation in that movie around a campfire where it's like I don't get it. Like two two guys and a girl like lost in the woods and they're super stressed out and like what's the best stress reliever? It's sex. Like why didn't they have sex? And it's like really like that's the time that you think you're going to like want to get down with somebody like while you're lost in the woods trying to survive. You all have not seen enough B-rated uh, disaster movies. <laughs> Oh no, Matt! I have, and it no. <laughs> that doesn't mean it's actually a logical <laughs> response. Although I, I want to say real quick, uh, did you ever see the trailer for this, Kate, when it was still marketed as The Woods? Uh uh-uh. uh Okay, because I remember I remember seeing it, and the trailer is actually really brilliant. It's a a flyover shot of the woods, uh, while a cover version of Every Breath You Take is playing. And then it starts cutting in more and more shots of like the horror elements of it, of like people running through the woods screaming, people being dragged through the mud, like all of this awful stuff. Uh, and then it just ends and says the woods. And it was like, I, and I remember seeing that and being like, I am so pumped on this movie. And then it came out like a month or two later that the woods has actually been retitled the Blair Witch. Yeah. Huh. And I was like, awesome. I'm even more into this now. <laughs> Um, so beyond that, essentially, uh, the screenwriter, Simon Barrett, explained in his writing of the new film, he only considered uh, material that was produced with the involvement of the film's original creative team, which which is Merrick Sanchez, Greg Hale, and Ben Rock, who is production designer, um, to be canon. And so when you look at Adam Wingard's perspective, He's just he's not necessarily having this of a narrow, this much of a narrow view, but from a screenwriting perspective, I what I really appreciate is that Barrett did this and keeps the lore really tight mm-hmm. and it fits in the world, um, yeah. which is really good. So I I don't know if uh, Sanchez and Merrick have any involvement with the Bloober Team game, but I would like to know if they do. Yeah. Um, I would I would hope that they do. Yeah. It feel it feels like it. It it, it feels very oh, yeah. fair, witchy. I think my yeah, my main thing with in terms of the the new movie and, and whether or not it sticks to the lore, my big frustration is uh that they add this lore around Ellie Kedward and how she died and everything. Uh and then the monster that matches that description isn't the Blair Witch. Yeah. And I thought that that was kind of weird and confusing, especially because the monster is, if you know mythology, it's a Wendigo is essentially what yep. it is. But they know, and you, I wonder if you could actually divorce this movie entirely from the Blair Witch and just make it about kids making a documentary in the woods and then they get attacked by a Wendigo. You probably could, but it wouldn't have had as much horror fervor going for it. Oh, not at all. The community was <laughs> way into this because it was the Blair Witch and because it was um, the sequel we deserved. Yeah, well, it's the sequel that logically I think makes more sense and is more interesting. Yeah. Like so this movie oh, came out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did. Oh, like 2016. All I got from this was 2016. They had a surprise trailer revealing it was Blair Witch. Oh yeah. yeah oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it came I out. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So the so Book of Shadows is about um, fans well, of the original film, and then this one is the younger brother of Heather, who was four when she went missing. Uh, finds a video on YouTube that is suppo- that was a, supposedly a tape found in the woods near Burkittsville and then uploaded to YouTube. And in the video, it's somebody running through like a dilapidated house and it passes by a mirror and it's clearly a woman. 
uh, holding the camera. And so he thinks that must be Heather. Let's go find her. <laughs> and I mean, it's again, the idea of like the family's in the family's involvement and the actual motivation for wanting to go in the woods makes way more sense to me than just like, Oh yeah. Like I really liked this movie. I get it. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I just had to laugh. It, it's just kind of like I saw a video of my, I guess, sister that disappeared. What, of of my sister who disappeared like almost 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm going to go find her in the woods. Yeah. yeah uh, okay. And then his friend is making a documentary film about him. She doesn't okay. really care about looking for Heather or the Blair Witch or anything like that. She just has to make a final project for her class. Okay. But then it, they, they, again, they go into modernized tech. Like they bring a drone. They all have headset cameras. Um, I actually like the drone work. The, yeah, the drone I thought added a really fun element to it. Um, but the and the headsets again, interesting concept. But then they abused it to make it more uh, cinematic, and it didn't work for me. Yeah, which to be, which is one of the reasons why I really like the the style that the the new video game is going with is mm-hmm. because you're put in the perspective like you're going to find the footage as you go. And yeah. you're going to use that footage. Like, it's not about you making the footage or anything like that. It's about you using what is there and being a detective about it. Yeah. Um, Without going into those, like, oh, you abuse this mechanic too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wait, there's one more thing. Yeah. Uh, in October 2017, um, Sanchez uh, revealed that he and the rest of the film, original film's creative team were developing a Blair Witch TV series. Though he clarified that any decisions would ultimately be up to Lionsgate, who owned the rights. And then in 2018, it was announced that the series will be released on the studio's new subsidiary, Studio L, Mm. which specializes in digital releases. But we haven't heard anything else after that. But I am 100% down for a Blair Witch TV series, which might be why Bloober Team is making the game. That would be really fun. I think that you could do something really good with it. And I, because I mean, also, you could then take. Now, granted, the found footage part gets a little bit lost because, like, how long are you going to be able to film 20-minute segments or whatever before you run right. out of battery? But I do like the idea of, like, you're out in the woods for, like, a while. So can, cutting it down to an hour and a half movie, which I think every movie comes in at, like, a tight minute, hour 30, um, but giving people more room to play with that and show what happens could be interesting. Hmm. So, final Ooh. but why those? Ow. From us? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that the Blair Witch matters because it, for the, like the franchise as a whole, and especially the first film, because for like a brief instance, it made the world magical again. Um, in that as a child, you like childlike wonder comes from this belief that things are magic and they and these otherworldly things exist and these crazy things can happen. And you sort of lose that as you grow up and you start finding yourself more and more concrete. And then this movie came out and for just a brief minute in 1999, everything was magic again and this could happen and no one was sure what was true. Um, and I think that uh, by popularizing the genre and everything that they were able to do and to bring people together um people who aren't even a fan of the horror genre to bring those people together. Like that's a really um, powerful thing to have done. And again, I always value horror because it's a way for people to explore fear in a safe environment. Um, And it's a, honestly, it's like a way for people to bond. And I think that it's great for all that. But I think the big thing is that for just a brief minute, everybody believed again. And that's really interesting to me. Why did I let Alex go first? (laughs) 
as I just Matt, started talking. Because Matt gets to go second going. I love that Alex uses uh, some bunch of kids dying in the forest as believing in magic. Um. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, when you say it like that. <laughs> um. Obviously, I don't know why uh, Kate did let Alex go first, because obviously I was trying to go, and then Alex took off, and I was like, oh, I can't <laughs> stop him now. Um, I definitely don't have anything close to what he just said. You know what happens when Alex enters monologue mode? I know. Um, obviously, like Alex said, it definitely sparked where people didn't know what was real. Apparently, magic to people... Magic, I guess, is the word. Um... It definitely was an interesting way to, like, start as the internet, per se. And I don't know whether it led to a bunch of distrust in the internet or trust in the internet. Either way. But, I mean, obviously, there's still, you know, before time thing. But it is correct that this comes in a part where it is super slow. And then, obviously, it leads to a bunch of sequels and a bunch of other found footage that are just... They happen. Um, obviously, people like them. Solid. Um, <laughs> no i genuinely i genuinely respect that that was good uh, it was i don't really like found footage movies i don't it, it's hard to do it's something i do say that's very unique of the time frame it comes out it may not have been the first but i think it obviously just from what i remember because obviously 1980 none of us are yeah. born but it's something that's very unique in the sense that like we may have it it may spawn up and we get more and more of them but you're just not one obviously apparently because of labor laws but to um <laughs> yeah you're just not gonna basic get human that. rights getting in the way yeah you're just not gonna get that again because of technology and mm-hmm. we talk about that on many of the horror episodes we're eventually going to get so much technology that just there has there's gonna be genre of horrors that literally just disappear because it's just you can't it's, they're gonna become off. period pieces yeah you just can't do it anymore or they'll become the new child's play which leans into technology and, oh, and into so many other things. Have you seen it? No, not yet. I just know that they went real heavy on like smart technology as a basic premise, and I think that's really smart. So now that we have the movie pass for Draft House, mm-hmm. I'm gonna probably go see it. I I need to go see it soon. For it. <laughs> uh. Once I do, we'll talk. <laughs> but yes, um, I think it's definitely like a cornerstone in in horror and the uniqueness of what it does and i i just i mean i guess it's cool we're getting these games and hopefully the games i think you can do a lot of more fun stuff and whether people want to play it on their own or watch somebody which is an actual thing whether or not people like watching getting people scared i mean you don't need to film the audience doing weird i mean it's things. kind of fun yeah <laughs> but uh yeah it's i just don't think we're gonna see anything like it per se like you can do some things i just don't think you're gonna be able to do this again yeah yeah and i'm gonna end this with uh a call to action to any studios out there uh or indie filmmakers i want this to happen again like i want to i want to have that ability to just to suspend disbelief that much like I, I, I do genuinely think that the way our culture runs right now with a very steady stream of true crime, it kind of leaves it, like, I think we could do it from a cultural perspective. Um, I don't know if we could pull it off technologically, but I want it. I, I want to have this type of event again. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know how it will happen. Um, 
but I hope it. And until then, I'm just gonna play the Blair Witch game, um, and rewatch the original Blair Witch Project. Like it, it's genuine. It, it it holds up. It does surprisingly, um, and it's one of those things where because it has so little bells and whistles, it's great. And I can watch it now, twenty years, uh, thirty or twenty years, twenty years, twenty years, twenty years later, and still be in as in love with it now as I was when I first watched it, or I guess in awe of it. Um, yeah, yeah make me scared again. Make me scared like I was scared then again, which I know is a harder task because I'm not an eleven year old child. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. if you learn how to read maps, you won't ever get lost. Oh, shut up, Matt. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining us for this episode, as always. Yeah, it's always really fun to be on. Uh, so why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? You can find me on Twitter at Most Always Alex. I have another podcast, at least for a little bit, called What We Talk About When We Talk About, which is a pop culture podcast. I also have Game Boys, which is a co-op gaming podcast, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Friday.com for genre news and reviews. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. And as always, you can find us at But Why Though PC on all of our social medias. We are most active on Twitter, so hit us up there. And if you liked this episode, if you want to support us a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash But Why Though PC. And for $10, you can actually make us watch a movie of your choice. Um, make it Blair Witch Project. <laughs> so Matt can see it. Make it Book of Shadows. <laughs> oh, God, no. Why would you put that into the world? Just to let you know, it is Outlaw Country in Patreon, which means if you give a bad movie, I will tell you how bad your movie is. And I do no, that's why I, want, I, that's why I want Book of Shadows, because I want Matt specifically to tear into it. Alex is going to become a patron just for that one episode. I've hurt so many, apparently, people's feelings because they like these movies, and apparently I do not. I mean, you went off on Akira. That movie is awful. <laughs> That movie is terrible. I will be interested to hear your review of the live action. (sighs) (laughs) Anyway, and you can find me at OMFRandier on Twitter. Matt? You can find me in the woods where I will use actual technique and proper thing to not get lost by like following a map and compass and you can follow trees and the way moss grows and then you can also make stuff in the dirt. It's great. You follow the sun. It's lovely.